All right, well, grab your Bible and open it to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We're in our series called Do I Trust God? And right now we're in a mini-series called Trusting God with Our Work. And this morning, I want to talk about ordinary work and how to make ordinary work extraordinary. And I want to start with this section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For, though, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. When you look through the New Testament, we can't find a much better description or an awesome and an incredible understanding of who Jesus is. But did you know that the one who died for our sins came back to life to empower us with eternal life, who reigns supreme in heaven today, is the same Jesus that worked for a carpenter for 18 years of his life? He spent 18 years getting up every day, grabbing a falafel, and going to work. He had well-worn calluses on his hands. He knew what it meant to put in a hard day of work. Jesus faced work and workplace environment that was affected by sin, just like you and I do. Jesus faced people that were difficult and demanding, even though he was nice and kind. I imagine there were people that constantly asked him, where's my table? You done with my door yet? I'll get to it. They haven't invented a power saw yet, so I'm working on it. Hold on. He worked under a boss, his own father, and we can be fairly certain that his own father was not perfect as well. Sometimes we forget when we read a definition like that in Colossians 1 about Jesus, that he served his family and his city of Nazareth as the local carpenter for 18 years before he ever preached a message before he ever talked about the kingdom of God, before he ever healed anyone, he was the local carpenter in Nazareth. In fact, this is interesting because when Jesus does start talking about the kingdom of God and does start healing and reaching out and starting his ministry, he heads home one day to Nazareth and they don't know what to do with him because to them, Jesus is the local carpenter. He's not... He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's a hard worker in our community. And so in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, as Jesus is preaching and healing, they say to him, isn't this the carpenter? 
Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And the Bible says that Jesus actually could not do very many miracles in Nazareth because there wasn't faith for him as the Messiah. Because they only knew him as the hardworking carpenter. They knew him as the guy that did a good job in their town. Even Jesus' own father at his baptism said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I think that's interesting that before Jesus started his ministry, before he died on the cross, before he rose again, God the Father said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. See, for most of Jesus' life, for the bulk of his life, he worked an ordinary job like you and me. In fact, I think it would be safe to say if Jesus came today for a bulk of his life, he would spend his life being a teacher or a website designer or a plumber or a software engineer or an insurance salesman or a farmer or a cashier. What does this tell us? What is God's word declaring to us? It's declaring to us that the work God calls you to is holy. The work that God has asked you to do in your lifetime, is holy. As we get started, pray with me for a minute. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word helps us in every single area of our life. And as we talk about work this morning, as we talk about trusting you in our work, would you help us to understand how to be people that are designed to worship you in our work? to make you known to the people that we work with and to honor you with our attitude and our excellence in our work. We give you thanks and praise, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Remember that work is designed by God. We talked about that in week one, that actually before we ever made a mistake in the garden, before we sinned or made, uh, made the earth the way it is, God gave us work. And we see that in Jesus' life, too, that the bulk of his life he spent as a carpenter. And if work is not something good, and if work is not something you can worship with, then we would have to say that those 18 years of Jesus' life were wasted, were frivolous, were unholy and ungodly. And we know that God, that Jesus did not do anything unholy or ungodly. So that means for 18 years of his life, from age about 12 to age 30, He learned how to live a holy life in his work, just like you and I are called to do. See, whatever God calls you to do is holy. And God will not ask you to do something unholy, unless, of course, you're a minor prophet that God is trying to teach the lesson to a culture to and asks you to marry a prophet like he did with Hosea. In that case, God may ask you to do something crazy and unholy or what seems unholy in the moment, but really isn't because you're trying to teach a lesson, right? But if God calls you to be a rancher, then I want to encourage you, grow them cows for Jesus. If God calls you to be a teacher, that's a holy thing. If God calls you to make websites, then work at it with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 22, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, gives us this great verse about work. He said this, So I saw that there is nothing better. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, nothing better. better. 
There is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. Because this is their lot. Solomon is saying that there is nothing better for you and I to do than to enjoy our work. Now, why is that true? Because work's a huge part of our life. And we don't want to spend a huge part of our life doing what God has not called us to do. We want to do what God calls us to do all of our life. And so we got to figure out what that is. We can't get away from work. So we have to discover the joy in it. We have to discover what God has called us to do. And we have to understand that in the middle of our work, God has purpose designed in that for you and I. Now, one of the mistakes that you and I can make is thinking that some work is more holy than other work. See, we might get this inappropriate idea of work um, as an example, right? We just had two gentlemen up here this morning, Jason, JJ, and they feel called by God to work on Eastern's campus as a missionary. That's what God has called them to do. And we say amen to that, right? And we say, I'm going to jump on the church's website as soon as church is over and help them financially, right? Amen? Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that Jason JJ's work is more important than if you collect trash during the week. Doesn't matter. See, your work is holy to the Lord because work itself is designed by God. So if work itself is designed by God, then what we really have to work at is finding the calling that God has called us to in our work. In that way, you will find and I will find the purpose that God has for our life because whatever God calls me to do in my work, I will discover purpose and identity and value in that. The other challenge can be is that sometimes we make the mistake that paid work is more holy than unpaid work. If that were true, then then the mom or dad who stays home and raises their children and trains them in the Lord has some sort of unfulfilling job and should stop raising their children in Christ and go work in the worst workplace somewhere. And we know that that is total nonsense, amen? See, we have to discover that the most fulfilling and holy work is the work God has called you to do. So what has God called you to do? What does he want you to spend your life doing? In Ephesians 2.10, the Apostle Paul said, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this verse is quite extraordinary. It's saying that there are good works that God has already seen in advance in your life for you to do, that there's something good that God has called you to and that he's prepared you for and that everything about you that he's made, your personality, the way your brain works, the way your physical body works, that God's prepared that in advance. He's created you that way for good works that he wants you to do. Now, mostly this verse is referring to the work that we do in Jesus' name to see others see Jesus, 
see the need for Jesus, see, discover salvation in Jesus, but I will also contend that the place where you work will be the primary place that you help people discover Jesus. And if that's true, then that means that God has prepared your work in advance for you to do. So what has God called you to do? We also know that God wants to spread us, his people, his church, all over a city and a community, put us in all, all sorts of different occupations, and paid and unpaid, all over our city so that there will be a representation of Jesus Christ all over the place in our city. That's why God wants all of us to go to work in different places as opposed to all of us working in the same place. Because we need to discover that the most fulfilling and holy work is the work God has called you to do. Now, one of the challenges with work is that it can be often mundane. Anybody ever worked a mundane job? One of my great-great cousins, this is one of our family stories, this is one of, my, one of the ways that my dad would challenge me not to think that mowing the lawn was mundane, was, you know, Uncle Bob put the same four screws in a motor in a refrigerator for 30 years of his life. And I thought, good Lord, <laughs> kill me now. Right? Like, you think your job's mundane. Put the same screw in the same motor in the same refrigerator for 30 years and say, Sears is awesome. <laughs> right? Talk about mundane. But God wants us to understand that our ordinary day-to-day -day work life is designed by God, get this, to be extraordinary. To be extraordinary. And we have to learn that our weeks and months, even though they can often have lots of ordinary days, what we need to understand is, how do I make an ordinary day an extraordinary day? How do I change that? How do I go to work with that attitude? Well, I want to talk about several things that I think God's word can help us with and help us learn how to make extraordinary days extraordinary. The first thing is to have a mindset of God-honoring vocational faithfulness. God has called us, first and foremost, as believers in Christ, to be faithful in every single thing we do. There is nothing in our life that God has called us to be unfaithful to. Every single thing in our life, God has called us to be faithful to. That means that we need to have a mindset that we are honoring God with our vocation. And we have to get beyond just thinking of work as what we're getting out of it. Like I don't just go to work to get out of it what I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to work to be faithful to God. I'm going to work to be faithful to others. I'm going to work to be faithful to my community to produce something for our world and our community that is valuable and that they can use in their life. Because work is worship, and it implies that work in itself is good. This means that work can provide something meaningful to our lives if we will come at it from a mindset of honoring God with our faithfulness. See, our first responsibility when it comes to work is to be faithful to it. 
That's why as believers, we wake up early, we get ready for work, we show up on time, we don't leave too early. We're faithful to our work. We, we, we work hard, we work with excellence in the middle of it because our work is an opportunity to be faithful to the Lord and others. So that first step of making an ordinary day extraordinary is to go to work with a different mindset, a mindset of faithfulness to God. Another way to make an ordinary day extraordinary is to have a great attitude at work. You say, Pastor Mark, you don't know where I work. (laughs) You're right. I don't know where you work. I I probably don't know where you work. But here's what I do know. I know what Ephesians 4 says. And Ephesians 4 says this in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So let me just say this. In every single area of our life, God calls us to have a new attitude. A new attitude. Now the old me that's focused on me, that's a narcissist, that wants my old way, what? Is a complainer, a whiner, and always upset about my job. But the new me that's living in Christ and that goes to work with a faithfulness of heart and mind, understanding that my calling is holy to the Lord, goes to work with a great attitude. A new attitude because I'm not going to work just for what I'm getting out of it. I'm going to work to be faithful to God, faithful to others, and to honor people with my life. See, as followers of Jesus, we're being made new. And our attitude is being made new. And the Holy Spirit is teaching us to have a great attitude in everything we do. And I believe how we address our work gives us a great opportunity to work on our attitude to have an attitude adjustment, you might say. And I think all of us have been there in one way or another where we needed our attitude adjusted. Now, attitude is everything. An optimistic attitude will encourage those around you to have a great day. They'll want to be around you. They'll desire to be with you and work beside you if you have an optimistic attitude. If you have a pessimistic attitude, you'll encourage your coworkers to have a horrible day. That it just stinks to be here. That we all hate our job together. That we're in this misery boat all together. And you just become, you know, the creator of more misery. But that's not the attitude that God has for us. God wants us to go to work and change the attitude at work. Because as believers, we want our attitude to give off love and joy and peace and hope, not hatred and judgment and grumpiness and gossip. This is important because attitude is also contagious. I think the past two years has revealed to us more and more that attitude is contagious. What do I mean by that? I mean that over the past two years, we've dealt with a contagious virus. But have you noticed over the past two years 
that not only have we spread a contagious virus, but we also spread a contagious negative attitude? Did you notice that? We also spread a negative attitude across the whole planet for two years. And we did that. And so as we, as we allowed this divisive attitude to, to get in the way of how we handled COVID, it separated us as a culture and as a world. That was an attitude. We, we, we didn't want an attitude adjustment in the middle of COVID. And instead of choosing unity, we chose divisiveness. And as a result, we kind of all incorporated an attitude that's a little negative, a little divisive, and not very positive. And so as we come out of COVID, as followers of Christ, we're going to probably have to have an attitude adjustment there. We might, might need to pray, Jesus, did I, did I pick up a negative attitude? Now, wouldn't it be awesome if you could just go to the doctor and get a shot in your arm and your attitude would be awesome? But it don't work that way, does it? It's a lot harder. Attitude requires a lot of mental thought and a lot of mental work and a lot of physical work. And I got to think about what I'm doing. It takes a lot of prayer and I got to read some scripture and I probably should memorize a verse that I'm going to use when I start to get negative. Like Philippians 4.8. Whatever you think about should be Lovely and holy and excellent and praiseworthy. See, attitude can change a lot. So have an attitude that honors Jesus in your work. Because remember, when you go to work, you represent Jesus. When you go to work, the people know you are a believer, and I hope they do. You represent Jesus. And so your attitude is going to represent your Savior, so when you think about, if you went and asked your coworkers, what do they think Jesus looks like from your life? They're getting that from our attitude. What might they say? Another way to make an ordinary day extraordinary is to pursue excellence in our work. So we're going to be faithful. We're going to have a great attitude. We're going to pursue excellence in our work. Now, here's what's interesting about excellence for you and I as followers of Jesus. Excellence is ingrained in us. And I believe that excellence is ingrained in every human because we are created in the image of God. And that means what? You are created excellent. You are an excellent creation because you are created in the image of God. Therefore, as believers in creator God, we should understand excellence better than anyone because the earth and everything in it was created with excellence. Right now, you know, one of the greatest times in the PNW is right now, isn't it? Winter. I mean, spring. Sorry, I, I got confused there for a minute because I'm still wearing my jacket. <laughs> but one of the things that's great in the spring is what? 
the plants and the trees and the flowers blooming. And we get to just see all the excellence of the floral world everywhere around us. And all the individual flowers and their uniqueness and their beauty shows us that we are created by an excellent God and that everything that God did in creation is excellent. And then we look at the animals and all of their awesome creativity and we see that God created them excellent as well. I was thinking about all the animals and you're probably thinking about cool animals that God created excellent. Like think of the coolest animal that you love and how excellent it was created. You know which one I was thinking of? The dung beetle. The dung beetle, like think about this for a minute. The dung beetle is a giant beetle on the plains in Africa. And you know what it does? It rolls poop into balls and then rolls them off of the plane. So the plane looks nice and excellent. The only thing I'm a little bit upset about with God is that there's not a PNW dung beetle that could take care of the dog poop in my backyard. Like, that would be awesome, but I mean, every single thing that God did, the dung beetle and the sloth and the cheetah and the elephant, all of it, these excellent creations of God that we love to watch and see, right? Because there's nothing on our planet that God did halfway. Now, you probably think that. Like, you're probably like, Pastor Mark, have you seen a platypus? Like, that looks like a halfway of three different things. But no, God had an intention and a purpose and a reason because he did everything in an excellent way. And you and I are created in an excellent way. And that means you and I are created to go to work in an excellent way for our heavenly father. Now you may be thinking, Pastor Mark, you are way overthinking this. I never once have ironed my shirt I loved COVID because I could go to work in my sweats. Like you're way overthinking this. Am I really? Let me, let me think about if I'm overthinking this or not. Have you ever cussed out the barista in your head for not giving you your coffee correct? Why'd you do that? Because you want your coffee excellent. I want it done well. Do you ever get mad that you got pancakes instead of bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit in your bag at McDonald's? Yes, you did. Why? Because you wanted that employee to do it in an excellent way. Is there anyone in the room who wants to purchase a new car and for it to be at the mechanic shop a week later? No, because you want your car to be done excellent. When you hire a landscaper to come mow your lawn, are you okay with them leaving lines of uncut grass in your lawn? No, you're not, because you want it done in an excellent way. This morning, I woke up and I saw this shirt in my closet and I thought, that's a nice shirt. I'll wear my best jeans, my nice shoes that my daughter bought for me because I can't pick out shoes to save my life. But this shirt was wrinkly. And there was something inside of me that just said, Pastor Mark, don't stand up in front of people in a wrinkly shirt. I don't know who said that because I don't care. (laughs) So it must have been the Holy Spirit because I could care less whether I stood in front of you with a wrinkly shirt. You all know that because I'll wear my 49ers jersey right here. When your sports team loses miserably and the players look like they're not even trying, you okay with that? No, you're not. Why? Because there's something inside of all of us that says this must be done in an excellent way. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. You're created in an excellent way. And God created you that way. 
See, excellence is at the core of all of us. When I used to coach, this is what I would tell every single team on the first day. This is the only thing I told them. For the rest of the season, at every single practice, and at every single game, I expect two things. A great attitude and excellence. That's all I expect. Attitude and excellence. If you don't want to give me that, it's a great spot for you right next to me on the bench. And that's what we want, right? We, want, we need that. We need great attitude and a great excellence. Now, here's what's interesting. Other people want to be around people that are pursuing excellence. So if you pursue excellence in your work, then other people will want to be around you. There's just a natural part of that because that means you're probably a safe individual at work. Probably means you're doing a good job and they like hanging out with you. It means they can get their job done better because you're doing your job better. See, employers want employees that are pursuing excellence. Individuals that are pursuing excellence generally get paid more because they're more valuable to the employer. When you pursue excellence in your work, you will please the Lord and you will please those around you. And my guess is, from experience, you will get an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus because of your excellence. Another way to make Ordinary days, extraordinary, is to simply work hard. Just go to work and work hard. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Remember the story that Jesus told about the three guys that got different amounts of talents? Jesus told this story to help us with faithfulness and to help us understand how to work hard. He said there was a master who had, frankly, was very wealthy, and he wanted to go away on a trip. And so he put three of his servants in charge of talents. The first servant he gave five talents to, the second servant two talents, and the third servant one talent. Now here's what's interesting. Theologians say that a talent was about half a year's worth sorry, half a lifetime worth of income. That's a lot of income. So if you had five talents, you had two and a half lifetimes worth of income. That's a significant amount of income. The first servant who had five went out, diligently worked hard, got five more. Second servant who got two talents, went out, diligently worked hard, got two more. The third servant, who had one, went and buried his talent, did nothing with it. So when the master came back, he honored the one with five, he honored the one that got two more, but the one who buried his talent, the master said this to in Matthew 25, 26, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. God's not in the business of us being lazy with the things that he's given us. See, the point that Jesus was making is he's the master and we're the servant. And he gives us our talents 
to use faithfully for him, for this world, and for his kingdom. And we are not to bury them and not use them. That's lazy. And it's also an even harder word, Jesus said. It's wicked. In other words, what? It's unholy. It's unrighteous. It's wrong for you and I to take the things that God has given us, our brains, our minds, our abilities, our talents, our bodies, everything about the, who we are. It's wrong of us to take this that God has given us and do nothing with it. Jesus said, work hard. Laziness is not an option for God's people. We're also a reflection of Jesus at work. And so if we're a reflection of Jesus at work, then we want to be people that work hard, that do a good job. And when people ask, well, it sure is great that you work hard for our employer. I don't know why you do it. You get to say what? Oh, I don't work hard for Starbucks. I work hard for Jesus. Oh, all this time I thought you were, you were working hard for Amazon. Oh, no. no. No, I wasn't working hard for Amazon. I was working hard for Jesus. Amazon just gets the benefit of it. See, this is the attitude that you and I are called to, and it opens the door for a spiritual conversation. Lastly, let me say this. If we're going to make an ordinary day extraordinary, then we need to understand that our work is an opportunity to proclaim Jesus. Our work is an opportunity to proclaim Jesus to those around us. Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. See, here's what's interesting. Every day that we go about our work, it's an opportunity to proclaim Jesus to the people around us. When we are faithful, have a great attitude, pursue excellence, and work hard, it's an opportunity for them to see Jesus in us. But if we don't, they won't. See, our work is one of the best opportunities to help others see Jesus in you. Now, why is that true? It's true because your coworkers get to see you every day. Every day, they get to see you. They get to see the real you. They get to see you on hard days, good days, days you're struggling with something. They get to know that maybe you're struggling with a physical health issue, but they see you come to work with a great attitude, and they wonder, huh, why is that? When they see us go through something terrible and horrible, but we still have a great attitude because Jesus is on the throne and Jesus is carrying us through that situation, they get to see Jesus in a great way. Hopefully the real you is showing the real Jesus. The Jesus that loves you and the Jesus that loves them, the Jesus that made a sacrifice for them and the Jesus that you are making sacrifices for them as well. So do you love your coworkers and sacrifice for them? See, where you work is your ministry. We mentioned that JJ and Jace, their, their, their ministry is Eastern. Your ministry is where you work. 
Your ministry is to the people that you work with. Your ministry is to show the love and acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus Christ to those around you. Have a great attitude about that and watch it be contagious in your life to them. See, if you go about your work every day with the attitude to serve someone in the name of Jesus, then you will find all kinds of ways to proclaim Jesus throughout the day. God's desire. God's desire is that you and I would make our ordinary work extraordinary. But to do that, we're going to need to follow these things that God's word says. We're going to need to understand that our work is a calling. And I'm called to be there because God wants me there on purpose because he has value for me to be there. There's things I'm going to grow in and he wants me to proclaim Jesus to those around me. That I can go to work with an excellent attitude. I can work with excellence. I can, I can work hard. I can have faithfulness in my vocation. And when that's the case, Jesus is glorified in us. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for us this morning, but before I do, um, I want to also recognize that there might be someone in the room that's just like, Pastor Mark, I really like what you're saying this morning, and I see that this is God's word, and I want to do that better, but I just want to be honest this morning and just tell you and tell the Lord, I'm struggling at work. I'm not even sure this is my calling. I still want to go to work and be faithful and be excellent and work hard and have a great attitude, but I'm struggling with that. But I also, maybe I just need to find what my calling is. If that's kind of where you're at, would you just raise your hand this morning? Just let the Lord acknowledge that. Yeah, there's a hand over there. And just say, this, this is where I'm at. I'm, I'm struggling with that, and I want, to, I want to do better. Great. Well, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you that you call us to our work. That you call us. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to feel called to the place where we work that we would understand that where you've called us to work is a holy thing. And I pray that you would help us to see it that way. Would you give us that mindset of faithfulness and would you help us to have great attitudes and work hard and be excellent at what we do and look for those opportunities to proclaim Jesus whenever we're at work. Lord, I also pray for those that are just struggling with work right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them extra supernatural strength. Just give them extra, extra supernatural strength to go to work, to see the mundane and the ordinary and make it extraordinary because I have a new mindset of serving Jesus in my work. But I also pray, Lord, if, if that's not the place where you're calling them to, that you would begin to speak to them about where they're supposed to be what they're supposed to do, and what you're calling them to. We give you thanks and praise, Holy Spirit, that you're always with us in everything we do. And we thank you that you go to work with us too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my hope, 
is that you will find the work that God has called you to, that you would discover how to live in the Spirit and make every day an extraordinary work day. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.